What if you could be doing something smarter with your money that creates income now? If you're wanting to get ahead financially and enjoy greater freedom of choice, if you want a comfortable retirement and you know you'll have more choices, if you can do more with your money now, if you've wondered who else is creating ways to make their money work for them, and you want actionable ideas with honest pros and cons, and no fluff. Welcome to the Richer Geek Podcast. We're here helping people find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. I'm Mike Stoller, and in this podcast, you'll hear from others who are already doing these things and learn how you can too. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Richer Geek. We're joined today by Jeff Seckinger. He's the CIO for the Boron Digital Large Cap Fund. His experience in cryptocurrency dates all the way back to 2013. Didn't even know they had that back then uh, when he bought Bitcoin for the very first time. Uh, how's it going, Jeff? It's going super well. Thanks for having me on, Michael. Yeah. So that just blew my mind. Cryptocurrency dates all the way back to like 2013. Or is it even earlier than that? Uh, it's 2009. I mean, technically, there was a coin. There's few, actually, like two coins before Bitcoin, but they weren't successful. So Bitcoin was the first successful actual cryptocurrency that was uh, started in, in 09. And a lot of people think it's because of the great financial crisis was in 2008. Wow. I mean, that's unbelievable. Um, so you started your uh, career as an asset management for uh Chase Bank, J.P. Morgan Chase, and then uh, so what happened? I mean, you left it. You decided to invest. How'd you get into crypto? Yeah, so uh, I actually got in it uh, back in college. So I'm currently uh, 28, going on 29 years old, and in college uh, was you know 2013 would have been what my uh, going into my sophomore year in college. Uh, actually, it may have even been my freshman year. Um, so I first got into it because a lot of people were talking about this like magic internet money thing that was going on. Um, and back then it was primarily used for uh, nefarious reasons on something called the Silk Road in like black marketplaces. Mm. And that's really what had a lot of kids uh, primarily talking about it. Then I did some research into it. And I ended up buying some and then I sold it later in 2014. That was actually during a, a really um, a massive move where Bitcoin did an over a 30x um, into 2014. So I sold it in 14. Then in um, 17, I started to rebuy heavily um, before, you know, it was, it was probably, I don't know, around uh, somewhere, probably around 1200 bucks when I was starting to rebuy. And then that was that year where it went from, you know, uh, the previous all-time high was 1100. It went up to uh, right around 20 grand. And then after the subsequent crash down to about 3000 in 2018, that's when I realized that it was going to be something real. So at that time in 2017, when I started to get heavily back into it, I was actually at that asset management bank, uh, JP Morgan. I was, uh, you know, in private wealth management and wanted to potentially be an advisor and just realized that I, the corporate life was not for me. And I also always liked unconventional things and Bitcoin and crypto was definitely very unconventional. And uh, I just like alternatives. So we were talking about just 
uh, investments, always been attracted to alternative investments. And um, cryptocurrency was a very interesting thing. And once I started to understand blockchain, I realized that this is a, a going to be a real asset class. It's going to have a massive impact on the world. And then in 2019, officially started my first uh, fund around the uh, that were 100% allocated to cryptocurrency. So formally left JP Morgan in 2018 mm -hmm. in the summer, and then uh, formally started the first fund in early 2019. And that's with Boron, correct? <clears throat> yes, correct. I mean, we have a family of, of funds now. The newest uh, fund and fund that's open right now is Boron Digital. Yep. Okay. And uh, so let's kind of break it down a little bit um, for our listeners that are my age. Yeah. Or more. Um, now, cryptocurrencies, it's it's a digital currency, correct? And yeah, I, I would know say, I, I would also yeah. say asset as well. So not just currency, uh, yeah. asset. And we can jump into that here in a, in a second. Yeah, because it's uh, I'm, I'm starting to learn that I always thought it was kind of a cryptocurrency. Now it's asset, but there are other ways like beyond a method for payment there are other functions for these cryptocurrencies right yeah correct now if you could explain what are some of the other i just know it as it's a currency yeah. not as an asset got it so one of the best ways to understand uh, currencies and specifically how Bitcoin is, is most likely to be implemented in our traditional financial system and just lives in general as, a, as potentially a currency in the future is the Bitcoin standard. It's a book that, that anyone can read, a couple hundred pages, um, helps you understand what money actually is and how it's evolved over time and how Bitcoin and digital currencies are likely uh, to play a role in the economy. But first and foremost, I would say, you know, after starting to read and understand a little bit, you need to understand two different things. So the blockchain technology is completely actually separate than cryptocurrency. So there's um, there's cryptography and there's blockchain technology. Okay. Blockchain technology is like an open accounting book. It just stores data. So instead of there being a centralized company that has this data, you know, record keeping accounting uh, department. This is a protocol, so it's just a piece of code that um, stores and records transactions. It's done in real time and thus far, for the most part, has been completely unhackable, okay? And it's also unbiased. So there's a lot of uh, pros of using blockchain technology, and it can be implemented in pretty much any industry, which we can speak about in here in a second. Cryptography is just a way to um, securely transfer value. Right. So it'll it'll and it's pretty much like an encrypted form to transfer value. OK, so the cryptocurrency is the uh, uh, value transfer system that runs through the blockchain. So we were before we started this, we we're talking about coins and tokens. You kind of mentioned mm -hmm. that coins are um, coins that have their own native blockchain. So the blockchain allows like developers to come build on top of the blockchain. Mm -hmm. And that creates like an ecosystem of different, um, they're called applications that people can build on top of a blockchain. And when you hear tokens, that means that someone, you know, is it somewhat of a developer came to a different blockchain and said, I want to develop something on here. And I'm going to develop this, um, this application that also has this token. So if you ever hear token, that means that that project does not have its own blockchain. If you hear coin, that means that uh, coin is tied to a native blockchain and that's its own um, 
blockchain. So to give you an idea, you were kind of asking about, hey, is this a currency, is it an asset? How I see uh, Bitcoin currently is I see it as more of a, you're pretty much buying uh, property in cyberspace. Okay, so it's, it's similar to buying like real estate, but you're buying uh, digital real estate, essentially. It's like the digital gold of this new era that we're moving into. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's also starting to be used as a currency as well now in El Salvador. That's pretty much the mm-hmm. test country now. And actually more people there have Bitcoin wallets than they do have bank accounts now. So it's, it's, it's blowing up very, very quickly. And it is actually pretty quick. You can use it on a cell phone. You can go to a, a Starbucks and you can buy a cup of coffee with Bitcoin. So it is now just starting to be used as a currency because something called the Lightning Network, which is it's just a network that helps Bitcoin transfer value uh, much, much quicker than what it traditionally does through its own blockchain. Uh, but primarily... Bitcoin is used as a store of value. With all these other cryptocurrencies, people will call them altcoins, which means it's just an alternative coin to Bitcoin. And they have different things that they do. And how I like to summarize it in two words is programmable money. So it is pretty much um, the co- the uh, either the coin or the token is used to typically pay for some type of a fee involved. It can also be used for governance. So if you hold 10% of the coins, you have 10% voting rights on what happens to the project in the future. Okay, that's that's one uh, utility of it. Another one, and this is what we like to primarily invest in, are coins that have their own blockchain. So when um, a transaction gets submitted on the blockchain, let's say I'm sending money. I'm saying, have you heard of Ethereum? By yes, chance? sure. Okay, let's say that I'm sending Ethereum uh, from my wallet to mm-hmm. your wallet. Okay, mm-hmm. that's there's no Ethereum company that's saying, okay, well, uh, we need to verify that Jeff is sending money to Michael and it all makes sense because of this and that. Um, what happens is it's run through Ethereum's blockchain and it uses a gas fee for that. Okay. And the, and the fee uses to pay for that transaction and the fee is paid for in that native coin, which is called ETH. So every transaction on the blockchain is using the native coin as a fee. And as a blockchain continues to scale and it records more transactions, and there's a lot of developers building different type of applications on top of it. It can do a lot of different things. Um, that, that native coin will be used more and more because there's more transactions being run through that blockchain, which gives that coin more value because now it has more utility because it's being used more often because of the, the growing number of transactions. Mm-hmm. So that's a very simple way. And unfortunately, in cryptocurrency, there is a lot of noise and a lot of nonsense. And a, the mm-hmm. vast majority of the projects are, uh, I don't think, very prudent investments. We like to invest primarily in Bitcoin. And then we like to invest in a lot of something called layer one blockchains, which are just like the, the, the largest blockchains, like Ethereum. Mm-hmm. And there's a coin called BNB that has its own uh, Binance smart chain is what it's called. Maybe you've heard of Binance, the largest exchange in the world. Uh, some other coins like Luna, which is on the Terra uh, blockchain. I know there's like uh, Dodge or Do- Dodge chain or Dodge coin yeah, or Dogecoin. Yeah. Doge. Yeah. See, that's, see, I don't even. Um... Yeah, that was created as a joke uh, to start. And the only <laughs> reputable source that's behind it is is uh, Elon Musk. And yeah, we don't we don't hold it because it's we still kind of see it as a joke. So, OK, we'll, now, see, we'll see what happens. You had mentioned something about a native cryptocurrency and, and the way I think of it is that's the 
I don't even know what you say. It's kind of like the, the character that you see on the each coin. Yeah. Um, that's I mean, the native. I mean, it's kind of like the cartoon character or whatever that <laughs> is, is associated with the coin. That yeah, it's kind of like that's the, logo. the native, the logo, right? It looks like a cartoon because you probably saw the Doge one. But uh, yeah, yeah that's, the one a... I'm, that's the one I just keep. I keep seeing in my head is is yeah. that that dog. Um, now, talk to us about mining and what that means. And one of some of the the static that I keep hearing is just all the energy that it takes to mine Bitcoin. And what mm-hmm. does that really mean? Is 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 it a bunch of people? sitting in a room with a bunch of computers and on, you know, mining on blockchains. And I mean, what is that all about? Yeah. So the really cool thing. um, So when you hear about mining, mining, there's two different types of primarily there's two different types of blockchains. There's things called proof of work, which is means that you have to mine to uh, validate and verify transactions on a blockchain. And there's proof of stake. So an example of proof of work where you can mine is Bitcoin. An example of uh, proof of stake is like Solana. And actually, Ethereum is a proof of work blockchain that's uh, transitioning over to a proof of stake blockchain. So it's kind of almost like a hybrid. It's not yet moved over to proof of stake yet. It is, is making that move this year. But I'll help you understand the, the mining aspect of it. Um, the really cool thing and particularly about Bitcoin is it's the strongest computing network we've ever seen in the history of the world. And the reason is because there is an immense amount of really, really powerful computers that are mining for the cryptocurrency. Now, what does mining even mean? It just means that you're buying this big piece of machinery. It's probably, you know, like a foot and a half long and a foot high. It's they're very loud and they get very hot as well. So you can't just plug an actual machine in because it requires commercial uh, outlets and it also gets very hot and it's loud. But what it's doing is it's solving complex mathematical problems. So these machines are just guessing all of these problems and what they're trying to do is get rewarded a block. So remember uh, blockchain block is just a, a, a bunch of transactions that are in one section together. And when uh, one of those miners solves the block, they get rewarded that block. And now that allows that miner to verify and validate all those transactions that's in that block. And then what happens is they'll verify those transactions just by solving those, uh, that, those mathematical problems. And it's just the machine that you plug in. So it's not like you need to sit on a keyboard and do all this. Mm-hmm. You buy a machine, you plug it in and it, and it runs and it tries to guess all of these problems and whichever one guesses, it gets rewarded the block and that gets rewarded Bitcoin. So we know for a fact that there's 450 Bitcoin released per day. That amount will not change until something called a, a halving event happens, which is every four years. It's disinflationary. So over time, the Bitcoin supply actually decreases over time. We're almost at 19 million Bitcoin released uh, in circulating supply right now. And there's only ever going to be 21 million. And that we will officially reach that 21 million by year 2140. So we've got, you know, almost 120 years until we reach um, the actual max supply of Bitcoin, but there's only 2 million Bitcoin uh, that are going to be released and that's left. 
and that'll be um, issued out to all of the computers mining, uh, whichever uh, you know mining computer actually solves the uh, the mathematical problem gets rewarded that block. So what it's what you're really doing is you're strengthening when you buy a mining machine mm-hmm. and you plug it in, you are strengthening um, the computing power on the network, and you're also um, increasing. Uh, the security and, and power of the Bitcoin blockchain, because it's becoming, that's how it becomes decentralized. I'm sure you've heard that terminology. Mm-hmm. The more people that are mining for it that are all around the world, the more decentralized it is because there's not one central entity that is mining for it. So that's how like proof of work works. I'm sure there's a lot of other questions you have because uh, there's a lot of detail that can go into it. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, it's pretty simple. You buy a machine, you plug it into a commercial outlet and it runs. And you just need to make sure that it's cooled and there's some security involved. And then you will get rewarded uh, Bitcoin on a daily basis. And it's trying to find each individual transaction. Is that what it's doing? Mm-hmm. Like, like if, if you sell me 100 Bitcoin, it's just out there waiting yeah, to be Yeah, so mined. what happens... Yeah, if I, if I, let's go back to that scenario where I'm sending you uh, Bitcoin. Yeah. When I send that, that goes through the blockchain. At that point in time, when it goes into the blockchain, it has to verify. So these those computers that we plugged in that are currently mining, mm-hmm. it takes my transaction and it verifies my transaction. And then it says, okay, it came from that wallet and now it's going to Michael's wallet. And then mm-hmm. it'll send it. Um, it'll verify that through the block. The block will get finalized through that um, the, the miners. It'll get hashed to the next block. And then the next amount of transactions will go into the next block. And then you will obviously get the Bitcoin on the other end. So whenever someone's sending money through uh, Bitcoin, it's really like the payments rail almost. It's mm-hmm. like I was mentioning earlier, it's the value transfer system is what the blockchain is. And the mining and proof of work uh, mining machines just help to uh, verify and validate those transactions. What is going to keep everybody from trying to create their own cryptocurrency? And, you know, because it seems like now that Bitcoin's been successful and a couple of these others, Ethereum, and all of a sudden you're seeing all these other ones. I mean, what's there's no regulation, there's no governments. How do you know fact from fiction and, and ones that are going to make it? Is it going to be oversaturated with everyone making their own type of coin? Yeah, so, I mean, literally anyone can go for your first question. Nothing stops anyone from making a cryptocurrency. You can make one in five minutes. And the reason is because you can literally duplicate someone else's code and create your Mm -hmm. own coin. So, um, yes, I think it's going to be very saturated. There's over 20,000 coins now. So, um, you know, if you're trying to decide on which cryptocurrency to, to invest in, it can be definitely a confusing uh, topic. And that's primarily why, you know, people that are accredited like to invest with us so they don't have mm-hmm. to do, deal with all the nonsense. But like, yeah, I think that, you know, I think we are moving into a world where there's going to be a few dominant currencies. I don't think they're going to be primarily like a global reserve currency that's a fiat currency like we currently have as a U.S. dollar. I'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow, mm-hmm. uh, but I think it is uh, something that's likely to happen over the next one to two decades where we actually move to a point where now uh, people are, are using decentralized currencies instead of uh, centralized fiat currencies. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, you know, I think there's going to be a few winners, but I also think there's going to be, there's probably going to be thousands, if not tens of thousands of coins. And it'll actually work a little bit um, 
less confusing than you think. Um, a lot of people were like, oh, well, am I going to be able to pay for everything with any you know, coin? Probably not. You'll probably have a few select coins that you could use to like make actual, you know, payments at a retail store, or grocery store, you know, things like that. Certain things will be accepted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we are moving to more of a, a globalized economy and it'll be really interesting to see which, you know, currencies actually uh, stay strong through these the supplemental bear market whenever that comes. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting time. And I think there's going to be thousands, there's already tens of thousands of cryptocurrencies. I think that number is just going to continue to grow. But again, I don't think it's going to be as like confusing and as frightening as everyone kind of like pictures that to be. That makes sense. You know, one of the things that seems frightening to me is at that point where you have more of the crypto than you do a central banking system. Um, You know, for instance, in the United States, when people are spending more through cryptocurrencies than they are the actual U.S. dollars, uh, what kind of inflationary trigger is that going to cause, you know, when there's there's not enough U.S. dollars or, or actual currencies moving throughout the system? Because it seems like the governments, um, all they're doing is saying, what is this cryptocurrency? All we want to do, we just have to tax it. Okay, they're not moving mm-hmm. towards actually saying like, you know what, we need to create and regulate or maybe um, use this cryptocurrency. You know, they're going to try to stay with the U.S. dollar. So what happens at that tipping point with the inflation of these world powers or these countries when the central banking systems aren't that powerful anymore? Yeah, so, I mean, there's over... 200 fiat currencies in the history of the world. There's never been one fiat currency that has ever actually held its value. So yeah. um, it's only a matter of time. I think the actual, uh, the average life expectancy of a fiat currency, I believe is like 36 years. It's actually relatively low. And to be honest, you know, if you're listening to this and you're, you're in the US, you're, um, you should be grateful because there's a lot of other countries that have uh, really, really inflationary currencies mm-hmm. like Zimbabwe, where you literally have to wheelbarrow money to go buy a loaf of bread. And yeah. that's really, really sad, to be honest. Can you imagine working uh, cons- consistently for decades and then everything you've worked for just completely gets devalued and you have absolutely no control over it? And that's what I think the biggest impact that crypto is going to have is more on the developing countries. Um, but you're, it, you know, what you were kind of mentioning about regulation and the tipping point, there's going to be a lot of regulation over the next, I think, five, especially over the next five years. They're already starting to get into a little bit of regulation. And the problem is, is they're trying to paint um, cryptocurrencies into a uh, bucket of, of securities. And it's just not the right thing to classify it as. They're going to have to create a bunch of uh, digital regulations for digital uh, currencies and assets that is needs to be separate from the traditional securities laws that are like a hundred years old at this point. Mm-hmm. So they're going like at some point they're going to have to identify all these different sectors within cryptocurrency and the applications, and they're going to need to make their own uh, new laws around how these you know currencies and assets are going to function and a regular society. And that's going to obviously take a decent amount of time. And I think there's going to be a lot of volatility in the price. 
of these cryptocurrencies. In the meantime, they've already openly said that Bitcoin is not, they're not competing against Bitcoin and they're not trying to, uh, you know, create the next Bitcoin. But there's already major uh, countries such as the U.S., that's coming out with something called a CBDC, which is a central bank digital currency. So they're already creating okay. their own digital currencies. Um, we don't, I think it's really important for everything to be run on a public blockchain because, you know, we, you just mentioned inflation. That's a, obviously a really hot topic right now. And it's a big problem, um, not just in the US, but in, in pretty much every country around the world now. And um, the reason why is because they can just infinitely print money into infinity. Like I was mentioning, we can we know exactly how much Bitcoin is released per day and we can verify that information on the blockchain. And I think that's what we all need and that's what the world needs is more transparency and that's going to come through the use of blockchain. So whenever we do reach that tipping point, I think it's going to be a really big deal. I think that uh, you know the people that are not on don't take the time to listen to this podcast and then do further research and understand what is happening and the digital revolution that's happening right before our eyes and the shift in assets and currencies and just general finance and now blockchain technology, they're going to get uh, themselves in trouble. I think it's really important to have some type of exposure to crypto, um, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, 1%, 5%, 10%, uh, 100%. I don't know uh, what, you know, percentage of your portfolio should be in that because it, Uh, It's a multitude of different things you'd want to consider, but Mm -hmm. I think it's really, I think it's honestly a higher risk to not have exposure to crypto at this point than to have exposure to crypto. Yeah. I know some of us that that do real estate syndications, we're actually trying to understand and trying to look at how we can do real estate trading and syndications using crypto um, instead of regular funds. So that's something that's kind of evolving and, and, and it's, I think it's coming. There's a few people that are doing it, but yeah, I think it is important. I think it's it's a way to get some of the, especially the younger generation, to do some real estate investing. It's like you have to offer syndications in in currency, yeah, in crypto. Yeah. Um, now you know if I don't if I don't really know how to do you know, buy crypto, uh, and I want some exposure. Um, you had mentioned that there's like an, is an, an exchange traded fund or what, what kind of, what do you have with your fund at, uh, Boron? Yeah. So we have like a, a really well diversified, uh, number of assets. We usually hold between like 10 to 15 assets in the fund. And we primarily like we pride ourselves on being more like value investors and fundamental long-term investors. We also actively manage 40% of the portfolio because there's a lot of volatility in crypto, but primarily we're investing into, um, like I was mentioning, layer one blockchains that have their own blockchain because we audit the blockchains and we can see the number of transactions, whether it's increasing or decreasing or number of active wallets, if that's increasing or decreasing, number of NFTs being minted on the chain. There's a bunch of different metrics you know, total value locked, which is pretty much like the total amount of money that's uh, being you know locked on that specific uh, blockchain and protocol. So uh, we look at a bunch of different metrics and then um, we make a decision to hold a few different assets, usually between 10 to 15. It's Bitcoin and primarily different coins that have uh, valuable blockchains. And then we actively manage that. So if someone's accredited and they don't want to do all of the nonsense and worry about regulation and 
the you know all, all the the twenty thousand cryptocurrencies at this point, they have the opportunity to uh, invest with us through our fund and have uh, great exposure and and uh, some pretty decent returns. Yeah, because you know I think it well for me it'd be the safe way because I don't know what I'm doing if if someone said hey go out and buy five hundred dollars or fifty thousand dollars worth of crypto I'd be like okay. You know, the worst thing I could do is just Google, how do I buy? And, and you see all the ads that pop up, um, you know, that'd be the wrong way to do it. So, you know, it seems like this would be for me, like kind of how I can get my feet wet. Yeah, and, it's, it's pretty much the easiest. It's literally the easiest way you can invest in the crypto. You sign yeah. a few documents, you send a wire over and you get a financial statement sent to you every month. And it's that simple. Yeah, and that's that's fantastic. Um, Jeff, how can people find you? Yeah, so I'm pretty active on social media. I produce a fair amount of uh, content myself, primarily on YouTube and Instagram. Um, so my name is uh, Jeff Seckinger. It's J-E-F-F-S-E-K-I-N-G-E-R. So if you just type in at Jeff Seckinger on there. And then if you want some more information about uh, the fund and you're an accredited investor, or maybe you're not even accredited and you just want to learn more. We have some educational uh, programs that we've had thousands of clients go through and have uh, had some great results and feedback from those as well. But if you just text uh, crypto, so C-R-Y-P-T-O to 877-771-0615, we will uh, address you know any type of, uh, whether you're an accredited investor and you want to invest or want to learn more about it, we're happy to help in any way. Fantastic. And uh, I appreciate you coming on. And uh, the uh, for everyone out there, the website URL is, uh, I, I think it's boroncap.com. Is yeah, that correct? correct. Yeah. If, if you want to uh, check out the, uh, the website. Well, Jeff, I appreciate you coming on. And it's a little less fuzzy for me. I think I'm starting to actually figure out. But the one thing that I am figuring out is that cryptocurrency is the future. And, you know, you just you have to do it. You know, there's a lot of us. I think older people are like, oh, nope, nope. I want the green dollar. I want the I want the money. But um, I really think that this is not going to go away. And it's it's the thing to do. Yeah. So I appreciate you coming on and uh, have a great evening, Jeff. Absolutely. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for tuning in to the Richer Geek Podcast, where we're helping others find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. For today's show notes, including all the links and resources from our show and more information about our guests, visit us at www therichergeek.com slash podcast and don't forget to jump over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button share with others who could benefit from listening and leave a rating and review to get the podcast in front of more eyes I appreciate you and thanks for listening